0: Always build each other up, be cheerful, hold on to what is good, and thank God no matter what happens. God himself will put you together, spirit, soul and body. If he said it, he'll do it. Well today we're going to start a new series which is essentially the end of the last series but when it got to the point of uh, putting the last verses of 1 Thessalonians into one or two messages that was mission impossible and I looked at this last these last few verses that Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church in this first letter there and um, I thought man there is so much good material here we've got to stop and we've got to be able to take advantage of what God has given us is that good? Okay, So we're going to have sermons that are based on really short little bits of scripture. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge for pastors, but uh, I've given all the hard bits to other people to preach. And I'll be, um, I'll be pushing on with the easy and fun bits, except for today. Today is a bit of a challenge, and you'll see why, because um, it largely it's talking about how uh, people respond and respect, one hopes, uh, towards leadership in the life of a church. So this is going to be a bit of a fun time for me. In fact, I've wrestled with it all the last couple of weeks. Um, and the title of the message this morning is is called Live in Peace. Here, I'll take it back. Am I fighting with someone there? Live in peace. Okay, so that's what Paul wants us to do, to live in peace. Now, um, the text this morning... Uh, is this from First Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says this. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. So you can see my tension this morning, can't you? Uh, here I am trying to preach a sermon about how you acknowledge and love me. Okay? Um, because I would trust that I'm one of those who works hard on the Lord for you, okay? So I've been here nearly 25 years, and uh, I've learned a few things over that time, not enough to move on anywhere else, because that's what happens. Usually you stay around for a while, learn stuff and move on, but I'm still learning. Um, and I realized that uh, a pastor has a unique role in the life of a church, uh, because we're, sort of, we're part of the congregation, but we're not part of the congregation. Okay, we lead, but we lead together. And uh, at the same time, uh, you get valued in different ways. Some people value the role of a pastor, others think it's great to have a janitor on site, okay? And, uh, and this is uh, sort of typical of uh, what attitude I have. Uh, guess what, Jim? I got a new set of commentaries for our pastor. Sounds like you made a pretty good trade, okay? So. Um, And that would be the youth pastor who secretly runs the whole place. Isn't that right, Ben? Michael? Um, Over the years, you get all sorts of comments made to you. Um, I can remember someone coming to me saying once, I don't care what the rest of them think. I think you're pretty good as a pastor. Um, that That was a good one. Um, I had somebody come in and said, you wouldn't believe it, but this morning on TV, I watched this pastor from, so, from somewhere else. They're amazing. You've got a long way to go yet before you get up to them. <laughs> in all honesty, what I said to them is I said, hey, you know the difference between me and that pastor you saw on telly? He goes, no, what? I said, I know your name. <laughs> and at your age, I know I'll have the last word at your funeral. Honestly, honestly, that's what I said. So um, I won't say any more, otherwise you could end up identifying the person. Okay, well, he might have died. You don't know yet. Yeah. So um, Paul, the apostle, just to put myself in good company, uh, recognised that he had a place to play and a person, and he was a person that had to walk in the authority that he was given. All right. So here is Paul talking to the Colossian church. He said. He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Okay, so here's Paul saying, I do this task, I, I try to do it to the best of my ability, but my ability is not enough and I have to do it with the, with the uh, power that God has given me. And uh, I can I can absolutely assure you that uh, God's power on my life is a significant part of what gives, me, what gives me the ability to do what I do. Okay, I don't pretend to think that I can do this in my own strength. Up here is the loneliest place to be uh, when uh, God's not with you. So um, um, yeah, so we, we believe and trust the same as what Paul did. Paul said also to the uh, Corinthians, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. See the grace of God again. What Paul was talking about here is he was contending with a group of leaders who had come into the Corinthian church after he had been and established it. And they were rubbishing him. They were saying, oh, yeah, well, Paul might have done this and Paul might have done that, but we are the ones who you should really be listening to. We've got it all sorted. And Paul referred to them sarcastically as the super apostles, okay, because they thought that they were they were something. Now, Paul here was wrestling with uh, this, this attitude of what it means, sorry, an attitude from others towards him, and he had to be able to graciously bring himself back to a position where he could give leadership, okay, without... Uh, overstepping the mark and becoming arrogant. Now that in itself is quite um, an interesting balance. The last seven years, as most of you appreciate, I've been the New Zealand Baptist national leader and uh, spent a lot of time with church leaders. And so what I'm going to do this morning is just touch on what it is, that some of the dynamics that they face when they're in leadership as pastors, people who are wrestling and challenged by the dynamics of church life. Now, I think that leadership principles are uh, are a dynamic that transcends all denominations. And I'll give you an idea of what I mean by this. This is the... um, Not happening here. See you now. Okay. All right, so there's different churches around, eh? different sorts of churches. Some, like a Baptist church, they're a congregational model. We don't have... um, high priests or bishops, Okay, uh, yet there are other churches that do have quite a lot of authority uh, centred around the office of uh, the bishop or the priest. Uh, Pentecostal churches often operate in a similar way to this too, a uh, lot of authority invested in one person. But um, my understanding is that it doesn't really matter where, what position you start from. Uh, if you start at this end where you're sort of a a group of leaders, or whether you started this thing when you've got all power and authority. Uh, True leadership only exists in the middle when you take whatever you've been given, power or influence, and you win the trust and the respect of your people. Does that make sense? This this is a universal principle, don't worry. If you're the boss who pays the wages and uh, you have absolute authority over everybody, you could be down here. Well, they're not gonna work for you just because of the wage packet. They'll work for you because they trust you and respect you. okay? And the same when you're a leader, when somebody else is paying the wages, so to speak, um, you also win trust and respect. And that's where leadership actually occurs. Does it make sense? Pretty simple, isn't it? Um, I've run into a lot of people who say, I can't lead because no one allows me to. I say, well, there's a journey there and you have gotta win their trust and win their respect. And then others who have tried to lead Uh, with all authority and uh, no one follows. So you're just taking a quiet little walk on your own. Okay. So so authority sort of operates in that way. And I think it's all about trust and all about respect. Now, we've got a relatively short time together this morning. So as far as my talk is concerned, because the baptisms, that's a cool thing. But uh, I thought, what are the challenges that church leaders face? Okay. And um, so this makes it a bit of an unusual sermon today, but when we're talking about respect and trust and all those positive things that that leaders, are, that leaders need to lead, I thought, what is it that, um, that we need to address? In the life of the church, not just this church. I'm not talking about this church specifically this morning. I'm reflecting upon the years of uh, spending time with other churches and church leadership groups. So, what are the challenges faced by church leaders? Well, one of the big ones has been um, power brokers, okay, over the years. Usually, power brokers are people uh, invested deeply in a church, often a smaller church, okay, Uh, and they're small because some Groups of people, might be families or people with specific theological perspectives, or people who hold the history of the church, uh, they hold on to the church really tightly and don't allow anybody else to express any influence. Now, this isn't always coming about because of a, a negative thing. Uh, in some churches they'll roll pastors over every three or four years, and so a group of people will say, "Look, pastors come and go." Uh, we need to keep steering this ship and never let the steering wheel go, all right? And so there can be power brokers in the life of a church who for good reason have kept the boat steady, okay? But there has to be a time where there's also trust and uh, as that trust is uh, earned by a leader, then that needs to be handed over and there needs to be more shared responsibility. Does it make sense? But uh, in the worst case scenario, scenario, uh, power brokers um, arrive at the age of about 20 and get carted out in a big box around about 60 or 70 years later. Okay, so that's the worst case scenario. Often, this scene, this happen, often the worst case scenarios are where a new leader comes along, might be a young guy, his wife, young family, and uh, the church starts to change because of this. But what's happening is the the older folks and the power brokers in the church actually have the financial resources to steer the boat, all right? And so they're getting new life, new growth in the church, new families coming along, people coming to Christ, and, uh, and yet there can be no transition of authority because the money is held with the older folks, okay? And the whole thing just blows up and it falls apart and goes back to where it was. That is a repeated cycle around churches all over the world and uh, for me you know hearing the young people talk about their encounter with Jesus this morning fantastic and as soon as they want my job they're welcome to it all right so it's one of those things where we always should be we always should be looking to invest in younger leaders and uh, helping them with the resources. another challenge that pastors face is uh, this tension between mission or mercy. <laughs> We're told to go into all the world to help people know Jesus. But we're also a caring community. And so therefore, our resources also need to go into helping those who who need to be discipled, helping those who are struggling with challenges, uh, maybe life or death issues. And that means that there's always a tension within a pastor's life between the, the going out to meet the needs of society and to help people understand Jesus or meeting the needs of those Within the church itself, and so you can end up turning the uh, the rescue ship into a cruise liner. Okay, okay. So, uh, and at certain times we need both, but it's a real it's a real challenge. Uh, I remember Murray Robertson, who's been a mentor to many over the years. He's just retired, but uh, pastored for forty years in one church down at Christchurch, uh, a great Baptist leader, and he said. Um, he says you, you meet the needs of those outside the community and then you meet the needs of those inside the community and then those outside speak up a bit more and so you run to their need and then those back here, um, they say they want more of you and he says this happens continuously and then you die and he said that, that's pastoral life so it um, sounds a bit depressing um, tension always, and a lot of people face this tension, family time Okay, because a lot of our, our work is done out of hours. Okay. Um, your boss might not necessarily want me to turn up to the to the workshop floor and, uh, and and spend time talking with you and praying with you. So a lot of that sort of stuff is done outside of hours. So there's always always attention there. Okay, so that's perfectly normal. I won't go into that too much more. But um, there has been times when I've been away on on leave, maybe down to South Island, and uh, there's, a, there's a funeral that occurs in the life of our church. Somebody's passed away. And um, the first time that I actually said, look, it's best for me to stay here uh, on holiday with my family, was a tough time for me. In fact, I did my head in so much, I might as well have gone and done the funeral, to be perfectly honest. But um, you, I had to, to learn to let go of some of my responsibilities for the sake of my, my kids. Okay, so, and my my loving wife, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Okay, the next one um, that is always a challenge for pastors is um, is funding funding God's vision. I call it God's vision because the church is God's vision. All right? And that's that's always going to be a challenge. And the first part of that challenge is this. Um, I remember when the church was smaller and I was talking to them about you know, finances and the life of the church. I realised that at that time, what I was talking to, to, to people about was actually paying my salary. All right, paying my stipend. That's real challenging, you know, because you know that you're talking to people directly in front of you to whom uh, you are responsible to, but they also bring their money into the life of the church, and that pays pays the bills, including your salary. Um, I'm a great believer in tithing. I'll be straight up about that. My wife and I have always tithed, and uh, God's been good to us. Um, And the reason I think why tithing is such a significant part of what God talks about in the Bible concerning money is because if we were to be able to create a community that did tithe, we'd transform and revolutionise our community around us. That's as simple as that. And the downside of it, when people don't commit themselves to a biblical um, understanding of finance is that pastors get turned into beggars. And there's nothing worse than that. There's nothing more humiliating or demeaning from my perspective than to get up and plead with people to do what it is that God had already asked them to do. So, does it make sense? That's the, that's the night you don't get any sleep when you're talking about money. <laughs> okay, the night before the sermon, I don't get much sleep. I go, oh Lord, here we go. This is going to be tough. Here I am putting on the beggar's cap again. Yeah? So money's always a challenge. Um, Another challenge for for ministers is uh, the suffering, suffering in silence. Um, This sounds a little bit crazy. What do you mean suffering in silence? Well, the nature of church life is that we are in conflict all the time. You see, whenever I read scripture, as much as I know the love of God, I find that my behavior, my attitudes, my preferences and my vision for my life can often be in conflict with what Scripture says. So this means that as a a pastor, I actually get alongside people and draw attention to the fact that their life is out of alignment with what God is asking. Okay, And so there can be pushback, there can be challenge, and I find myself in places where... um, you know, when you're getting really serious about some stuff that can be really serious, um, when I'm addressing an issue in somebody's life, uh, the pushback can be quite severe, quite significant. And uh, it's not unusual for pastors. In fact, I spoke about this at a pastor's conference a little while ago. I called it the injustice of silence, where pastors are actually um, required to sit on their hands in respect to an issue while others in the church to whom the issue is about are out there doing this and so um, can you tell me why so and so is upset with you no can't say a thing well they're bad mouthing you can't say anything it's not my place if they're doing that that's inappropriate but I can't stop that and the best thing I can do is just trust God and just sit on sit on for me now 25 years of experience and say well I haven't got too many bodies buried in the backyard and trust that, you know, um, we can push forward on those sorts of things. The intriguing thing for me was as I spoke to these pastors, uh, it was like I just, they'd all just simultaneously hit a truck. It was like they were gobsmacked to realise that they were all in that similar place, you know? Does it make sense what I'm trying to explain here? Yeah, it's an injustice of silence. But we have to learn to live with that because we can't... Um, We can't actually change any of that. It's one of those things where ultimately you look at Christ on the cross and he suffered there in silence and he said, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So um, the next one. Uh, This is more of a 21st century challenge, a cafe mentality to church. Um, People arrive looking for something. It's like, what can I get? Uh, where the right attitude is, where's the best place that God would have me serve? Okay, so um, I frequently have conversations when people tell me, uh, you know, we love it here because the coffee's so great, you know, and or we don't, we're we're moving on because the coffee's not so great. Um, And so you have this mentality that you're contending with. And it's a really difficult place at times for pastors to be, because over years, there's scenarios where, Uh, people might have been involved in the life of the church for a decade or so. You know, you've spent time with them, prayed with them, done mission together, served together, and then they disappear. Just like the rapture happened and you weren't involved. You know, they disappear on you. And you go, oh, where's so-and-so? Oh, they're going off to another church. Oh, wow, you know. I spent months talking to them about their child and how, you know, we can work through some behavioural challenges or, you know, when." We, we really helped out when their mother was dying and she was nursing her mum. And you know, you, you, so you do this thing at a relational level. And the challenge for a pastor is that um, after pouring your heart and time into people's lives who are going through difficult times, uh, is that when people disappear on you like that, you have to be really careful you don't harden your heart. Because there's going to be someone else who's going to have a similar challenge and you can't project upon their scenario the experience, the negative one that ended up because of the last scenario like that. Does it make sense? I hope it, I hope it all makes sense. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll just tell the next service not to bother, eh? Um, yeah, so, so we have to be careful of the cafe mentality, don't we? Churches, churches want to serve. And I know so many people here in the life of our church pour their time and their energy into helping others. And that's, that's amazing. Um, but it 's still a real challenge for pastors. Um, the other thing is um, keeping it orthodox. There is some absolutely crazy stuff out there when it comes to biblical interpretation. Man, you just think of some crazy idea, put it in the Google, and someone 's beaten you to it. Yeah? <laughs> honestly, honestly. You know the amount of people who have been the Antichrist, I don 't know if I 'm even on the list, but I should be soon. <laughs> you know I mean, good night. And so keeping it orthodox is really important. And as much as, you know, I, I, you know, you know from, my, from my, if you've been around a while, you know that we really try to do our best to stick with Scripture. Okay, and say, so what was Paul, what was Peter, what was Jesus saying? And what does that mean for us today? That's the big question, the so what factor. Okay, and that's really, really vital, really, really important to me. And, uh, and I trust that that's one of the things that uh, is important to you as well. Right, I just want to go back to that text and I want to talk about Paul's quality control. Now, this sounds a bit weird. Paul put a quality control factor into this whole idea of how we should uh, love and acknowledge those who serve us. I just want to take you back to it. See, this is what we, we looked at before. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. The word admonish is the key in this In understanding this text. Uh, To admonish someone is to correct someone with goodwill. Okay? Not to scream in their face. Okay, that's not that's not admonishing. That's just nothing off. But to admonish someone is to get alongside them and say, hey, you know what? Game of Thrones is not good family TV. (laughs) Just thought I'd put it out there. (laughs) Okay. no, I, I joke, but there can be things that you um, do and you say to somebody and, uh, and they disappear on you. You're like, oh, what's happened there? I've oh, gone to a church down the road. Why? Because I actually sat them down and said, look, the behaviour, the attitude, the words, the direction is not what the Lord would have for your life, okay? And so as soon as that happens, they're gone. And you go, well, this admonish thing is actually a responsibility that I have on my life. And again, lose some sleep. Don't get much sleep. Lose sleep when I know that I have to go around and chat with somebody and say, hey, listen, you know the the way that you're treating your wife or your children, uh, we've really got to work on that. And I'm prepared to set you up with some help. Phew, gone. But um, I think this is the key to this whole verse. Because if you don't have someone in your life who you allow to admonish you, then you're really just a lone ranger. You're really just doing your own thing. And you might think you're super spiritual, but tell you what, we all need people who tell us how our behaviors, our words, our attitudes are received by others. And we should be embracing those people because better better is the rebuke of a friend. Proverbs says that many times. Or a wife. That's right. Wise. What a wise man. Man. And it's not even Mother's Day. That's that's next week. So when you stop and you think, gosh, you know, am I the sort of person who acknowledges and has respect for the leader? You ask yourself the question. How would you respond if that leader would get alongside you and say, Hey, bro, you know, I'd like you to have a look at this. Have you thought about this? Or help me understand why this is going on in your life? You'd ask that question. When you get asked that question, uh, do you go, Wow, yeah, I think I better work that out or work that through? Or do you head for the hills? I'm out of here. How dare you speak to me like that? Who do you think you are? Who made you God? You know? That's that Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger Spirit. And so we finish because as I say, we didn't have a great deal of time today but that's all good because we did a lot of the good things by uh, reading this again and it says, now we ask you brothers and sisters to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. It's all good, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Okay. Thank you. That was nice. (laughs) Stand up and I'll pray. God, I thank you that uh, all of us need leadership around us. Uh, No one stands as an island. And so God, we we celebrate and thank you for people in our lives who will draw alongside us and say, hey, hey, look, this is something that I ask you to, to have a look at in your life. Lord, we thank you for people like that. Thank you for people who are brave enough, courageous enough to even go there. Uh, We thank you for church life, Lord, which is perfectly imperfect, designed in such a way as to always challenge us, build us up in the gifts of the spirit, particularly perseverance, long suffering and patience. It just seems to be the way of it. But we love the body of Christ, Lord. We love it for what we can do to serve it. We love it for the way in which it ministers to our needs. And so, God, I just want to thank you for all that you do in our lives as you lead us together. And as Paul said, let us live in peace. Live in peace, but let us never forget the vision and the mission that you've given us to attend to. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.